This podcast brought to you by Dream and Discover. Podcast series focused on positive youth development. This is Driti Malu. I'm here with my brother, Drew, at the studio. Hello, everyone. This is Drew. Don't fire the fire. If you fire the fire, the fire will fire you. This dialogue or tongue twister from an Indian movie, though funny, it has a lot of in-depth meaning to it, especially for people in California. Wildfires are a very common phenomenon. In today's episode, we have two firefighters with us to share their experiences, and I am very excited to learn all about firefighters. Our first guest, Mr. Taylor, is an engineer and has been working for Carlsbad Fire Department for 13 years. His job is to maintain and drive fire engines during on-calls. His duties include things such as supplying water to hoses, lines and water pressure. Our second guest, Mr. Jordan, is a firefighter paramedic. His jobs include things such as assessing patients for medical problems and trauma, assessing and treating them as a paramedic level. On fire calls, he handles the hose lines in suppressing the fire. Welcome, Mr. Taylor and Mr. Jordan, to our show. Thank you. Thank you guys for having us. Thanks to both of you for coming to our show. You know, my brother's first dream job is a firefighter. As a kid, he used to have all kinds of firefighter toys in his collection. Yeah, I was so passionate about being firefighters back then. My mom one day took me to a fire station and showed all the fire trucks and requested one of the firefighters and made me sat sit on one of the fire trucks, right? It truly felt like I conquered the world or something. So how does it feel when people, especially young kids, idolize you guys as heroes? You know, they dress up as firefighters during Halloween. They like to play with firefighter truck. Let's start with Mr. Taylor. Yeah, I think it's awesome. I mean, we love seeing kids wearing their firefighter outfits, whether they're out with their families just walking on the street or Halloween. It always makes us smile to see the kids uh, dressing up just like us. What about you, Mr. Jordan? I think it's a really big honor. It's a really cool thing to have kids look up to us as heroes. Um, we really, is, it's a fun job that we have. It's also very stressful, but to see kids idolizing us is something that we grew up never thinking would be a possibility. Mm-hmm. Um, it totally makes our day when we see kids wearing the same uniforms we do are very excited to wear them. It definitely feels good when people idolize you. What are the roles of firefighters? This time, let's start with you, Mr. Jordan. Awesome. Okay, yeah, the roles of the firefighters at the most basic level are to be in a position to respond to calls uh, to help people, whether it's a medical reason, a car accident, a fire, um, or it can be something super severe like a national emergency, a hurricane. Um, We're supposed to be in a position Uh, to rely on our training to help people um, because when it really after us, there's no one else. So it's uh, again, an honor to be able to be in that position. It takes a lot of work to get here. I'd say our primary role is to always be ready for any type of call, which by the way, um, we are available for a call right now. So if our tones go off our alarms, we might have to leave. Um, So we just want to give you that heads up. That's a lot. (laughs) <laughs> when someone calls 911, who goes to the location first, cops or firefighters? Uh, well, it depends on the type of call. So if they call 911, a dispatcher will answer the phone and they'll explain the problem 
And if it's a problem that firefighters should be taking care of, we will respond. If it's a medical problem, you'll get a fire engine and an ambulance and we'll come and we'll treat the patient, take care of the problem. And a lot of the times we don't need any police officers with us to help. Um, but sometimes it could be somebody that might be a little bit violent or maybe under the influence of drugs and they might need a police officer to help um, get the person under control before we can treat and take care of them. It's important to know um, and understand that just because we're firefighters um, and just because there's police officers um, doesn't mean we're different. We're all on the same team and we all help each other. How do you know if it's a firefighter call or a cop call? That's a really good question. When someone calls those three digits, 911, someone on the other line on the phone will ask, "How? what's your emergency today? And based on the response of the caller, that person is trained to listen to the questions. I'm, I'm sorry, the answers to the questions. And they determine, is this a call that requires a fire truck? Is this a call that requires a police officer? Is this a call that requires an ambulance? Or is it a call that requires all three? So really it comes down to questions that are being asked on the phone and the answers that are being interpreted by a trained dispatcher. Why did you, why did you decide to become a firefighter? That's a really good question as well. Um, to be honest with you guys, my dad was a police officer growing up. And being a firefighter wasn't even on my radar. I went to uh, a university, I got an education. And a couple of years later, I ran into a couple of friends who had become firefighters and talked about the things they enjoyed most about the profession. And their answers were they loved helping people. And at the end of the day, I feel like that's what my passion is, is being able to be in a position to help someone at their worst of times. There's um, ups and downs in the job, right? You guys alluded to it earlier. People generally like to be firefighters. They uh, emulate us, they idolize us, and um, it's a huge honor and responsibility to be able to wear these uniforms. Uh, but at the core of it, I became a firefighter because I wanted to help people. I became a firefighter for very similar reasons. Um, when I was younger, I came across a, a vehicle accident where some people were injured and I didn't know what to do. I didn't have any training or experience on how to help someone at a time like that. And it really bothered me at the time. So. When I found out about this career, uh, I went into it really excited about becoming a paramedic and learning how to really help someone in a time of need. And in addition, I was always interested in fighting fires and how exciting that would be to be able to show up and put a large fire out and, you know, spend my life driving around in fire engines and hanging out with my good friends at work. And um, it's just an all around great job. Very rewarding. What was your parents' reaction when you told them that you wanted to become a firefighter? Uh, my mom was definitely worried at first because it's a high-risk job. But after the years went on and she saw that we, we train a lot so we could be very safe when doing our job, she started to relax. And she's very proud of me for what I do now. And uh, I, I think when we go out of town on brush fires and we're we're fighting those fires out in the hills. Um, she definitely worries about us, but uh, she knows we're, we're very safe in what we do. What qualifications do you need to become a firefighter? Well, um, to become a firefighter, you have to be a certain age in order to be a paid uh, professional firefighter. But before you become a paid firefighter, you can be what's called a fire explorer. And I believe the minimum age for that is 16 years old. Um, and a couple of really basic uh, emergency responder classes. 
However, if this is a profession that you're interested in, um, you do have to be at least 18 years old and possess what's called an emergency medical technician uh, certificate, which is anywhere between six to 18 weeks of a basic EMT course. Between being 18 years old in that course, um, possessing that certificate, you're able to become a firefighter. Now to be better or more qualified, you can put yourself through a fire academy, which is about four to five months long, full time. Um, on top of all that, to work here at Carlsbad, we have to all become paramedics, which is an additional year to year and a half of schooling uh, to become paramedics, uh, which is the degree of medical care we provide to all the customers uh, in our first response area. So for me personally, as well as Taylor, we had to go get our EMT, we had to go to the fire academy, we had to be at least 18 years old, and we had to become paramedics. All that in order just to apply to become a firefighter. How rigorous is the training? Oh, the training is very rigorous. Uh, there's a lot of physical demands on a fire scene. So I'll just go through a few steps we would take upon arriving at a, say a house on fire. Um, we pull up the fire engine and we park. We see where a fire hydrant is. Um, Jordan is the firefighter. So he'll jump out and he'll grab a hose and he'll run it out to the fire hydrant and he'll hook up to it. Then I'll hook the other side of that hose line into the fire engine and he'll have to charge water from the fire hydrant and start filling up the fire engine. After that, he has to run over and grab a different hose and some tools and drag them to the front door of the house. After that, he might have to break the door down, call for water, fill the hose line with water, put on his breathing apparatus, which is a, a backpack with a bottle of air that he can breathe fresh air from, but break in through the front door, um, find the fire, put the fire out, and that's just the beginning of a very basic fire. And he's doing all that wearing how many pounds? I mean, like about 85 pounds, about 85 pounds of gear. Um, it's very exhausting work. And that's just a very simple fire. So we get some fires where they're more complicated. Um, sometimes you have to throw ladders um, and those are very heavy. So it is, um, it's at a very exhausting job. That's why we stay physically fit so we can do it. Wow, that sounds very difficult. Mm -hmm. Were you scared to go into the fire for the first time? Yeah, I think that's uh, an appropriate response to going into a fire for the very first time, at least for me personally. We do months and months, in fact, years of training uh, for the opportunity to be able to help somebody. Uh, and sometimes that requires us going into a building that's on fire. Your heart rate's beating really fast. You have a lot of heavy gear on. It's very dark um, and smoky. So we have what's called adrenaline and that's pumping really, really fast and hard. And so the very first time you have to kind of teach yourself to slow your breathing down and remain in control because you're there to help somebody, whether that's to save their house, whether that's to save someone who's trapped or provide even just basic medical care after we do all that. I was very, very afraid of the, what to expect but now we've done it a couple of times. Um, it's not as frightening anymore. In movies, they show that firefighters wear red suits. But one time I saw them wearing green jackets. What I mean by green jackets is like a vest. It doesn't have sleeves. What exactly do you guys wear? Uh, we have different um, 
personal protective equipment. We call it PPE um, that we wear for depending on the type of call that we're on. So we'll wear our full turnouts on things such as traffic collisions as well, just for visibility. And those vests that you see are extra reflective vests. So vehicles can see us, especially at night. So they, they'll reflect when their headlights shine on us. That way we don't get hit by vehicles while we're, we're uh, taking care of traffic accident scenes. Um, we have special, very thick turnout jackets that have moisture barriers or multiple liners to keep us safe from, from excessive heat and flames. And then we have um, lighter, more breathable clothes that we wear on when we fight brush fires or, or wildland fires out uh, in the bushes. So uh, we have all different types of things that we wear depending on the types of calls that we go on. Wow, that sounds very tough. Anyways, what materials do you use to set a fire? Um, you're asking what kind of materials we use to set a fire or put out fire? Set off fire or put out fire. To put out the fire, we use a couple of different things. Some things you guys might even have at your house. Um, the most basic one we use is water. Water acts as a cooling measure to help cool down the fire um, which makes it less and less intense. And even at times completely putting the fire out things that, um, you guys might have at your house on top of a water hose is fire extinguishers. Fire extinguishers act as an agent that kind of eliminate oxygen from the environment to make the fire kind of slow itself out. Um, we call that choking itself out. And, um, so fire extinguishers are another thing. And we have on our fire engines that, um, engineer, Schaefer uh, pumps for us is foam. Foam is just like your guys' dish soap that you guys use to wash your dishes. And what that foam does for us is it decreases the actual surface area of the fuel, wood, houses that are on fire, and it allows the water to penetrate, kind of creating like a, uh, a blanket, if you will, over the fire, which then in turn suffocates the fire. So we use water, we use fire extinguishers, we use glorified dish soap, and if we're out fighting fires that are on the mountains and the hills, we even use dirt to kind of help with that. I have a quick question before we move on to my sister's question. What is a grease fire? That's a really, really good question. Grease fires occur usually in kitchens um, and require a special fire extinguisher that are gray in nature. They have a big K on them. And what that does is um, eliminates the actual threat of the fire spreading. Grease fires have a high tendency to increase in intensity when you throw water on top of the grease. A lot of people don't realize that. So next time you guys are at a restaurant um, and you guys can poke your head into the kitchen, you'll notice there's silver or gray fire extinguishers that are specially used on grease fires because water won't put grease fires out. And grease fires normally occur in kitchens because grease pans are used to fry our food. How much water do you carry? And how much types of fire trucks do we generally have? Okay, so we carry 500 gallons on our type one fire engines, which are the ones that you see driving around on the street most of the time. Um, we also have a fire truck um, that carries less water, but it still does have some water. It would be good for putting out a car fire or something small like that, but we wouldn't usually use the water off of the fire truck for a, a structure fire. Um, we also have brush engines, which are the ones that have four wheel drive. They have bigger wheels. They're high off the ground. They can drive off road. And those also carry 500 gallons. Okay. Um, 
Another question I have is, is it is that 500 gallons of water enough to put out wildfires? Uh, it depends on how large the wildfire is. Um, if it's a very large uh, wildfire, then that's definitely not enough. But if it's a small one and you we can catch it quickly, we could we could definitely put it out with 500 gallons. Are helicopters used to put out fires and wildfires? Yes, all the time. They're very big help because they can drop water wherever they would like to. For us, when we show up, we have to step off of the fire engine and connect hose lines together to hike out and try to get a hold of the fire. Um, and we can only go as fast as our feet can go, but those helicopters, they can fly wherever they like and drop water any place we need them to. So we'll, we'll communicate with them on the radio and we'll tell them the area we need a water drop and they'll go drop water right where we need it. I have a basic question. Why are fire engines red? Oh, that's a difficult question. <laughs> um, well, there's a lot of reasons why they're red. Um, and it's kind of left up to interpretation. But something I was told when I was getting the fire service is back when fire trucks were being made, the color red paint was more expensive and more desired because most cars were painted black due to the uh, cost effectiveness of it. So firefighters who have a lot of pride and detail to their apparatus wanted to stand out. Well, that's now transcended into red is easily recognize, uh, recognizable as potential danger and is really easy to see from a far distance. So our fire trucks are normally red. There are fire trucks that are green and white and other colors, and there's no rule saying it has to be red. But we find that when we're going down the street a little bit faster than the other cars, Red's easier to see and move over to the right so we can get to our destination safely. This question goes to both of you. What is the most difficult fire or job you ever handled? Mr. Taylor, you want to go first? Um, I'd say the most difficult one was the poinsettia fire, which happened a handful of years ago. Um, that was a very quick moving brush fire. It happened right around the corner from our fire station and the fire had started on La Costa golf course and it jumped over Poinsettia Avenue and it was moving very quickly towards the coast. And uh, there was a lot of smoke, a lot of embers getting in our eyes. Um, we had a lot of stuff to do very quickly to try to save some buildings during that fire. How long did it take to put out the fire? That one took about five hours, I believe, five or six hours. Maybe a little bit more. I don't remember the exact amount, but we did get it handled in that same day before it got dark. Um, luckily, we had a wind shift, so the wind lightened up, and it was we had helicopters on the scene dropping water in lots of locations, and we had lots of fire engines by about four in the afternoon, and uh, we got the whole fire under control and put out. Okay, so thank you, Mr. Tiller, about telling your difficult job. Now, Mr. Jordan, what is your most difficult job? Yeah, we get this question quite a bit, and it's normally from family members and friends. They kind of always like to ask, what's the craziest thing or the hardest thing you've ever seen were done? And um, I think we could both agree that fighting fire in itself is pretty difficult. It's really demanding on the body. But for me personally, as the assessing paramedic on most of the calls, I find that when I have to be a paramedic in dealing with children is normally the hardest for me. I have two kids of my own and I can't help but think about them when I'm helping uh, younger kids when they're not feeling very good. Um, 
So without going into too much detail, I think that running medical aids on really sick kids are probably the most difficult part of my job because it's very relatable to my kids and um, it's very real. Do you use dogs for fires? <laughs> they used to use dogs a long time ago when they had horse-drawn buggies that would have water pumps on them. Sometimes they had to pump the water by hand back then. And when the horses were running through the streets to go to a fire, they would use the dogs to run in front of the horses to clear the crowd. So that's how fire, fire dogs originated. Um, a lot of us would love to have dogs in the fire station. Most of us love dogs, but um, it, you know, dogs take a lot of work and um, they need to be cared for at all times. So right now it's in our best interest not to have fire dogs, but if someone wanted to bring a fire dog over to our station, I wouldn't argue. <laughs> what are some general causes of fire? There's a couple. I'll list a couple and we'll have Taylor list a couple. Um, it could be as simple as your electrical outlets um, not being serviced or malfunctioning, and they can cause a fire right in the wall of your house, which over time can grow into something bigger. That's why we always educate people to always have smoke alarms that are properly working. Another fire that could happen is in your car. Sometimes older cars or even newer cars get oil that fall out of the engine. And when that heats up, that potentially catches fire. And then when the engine catches fire, um, we have what's called a vehicle fire. Those are probably two of the uh, types of fires we see the most common. Mm -hmm. Sometimes people just make mistakes at home and they leave a candle burning and it might catch a curtain on fire. And, um, sometimes there's fires on, on the stove when you're cooking. Sometimes uh, there's dry lightning strikes out in the mountains and there's no rain, but there's lightning and it'll start a brush fire like that. So there's many ways fire could start. After you set off a f the fire, there's gonna be a lot of smoke. How long it takes for people to go back in without masks? Oh, so you're saying there's gonna be a lot of smoke left over in the building afterwards? Yeah. yeah so we have a thing called an atmospheric monitor and it reads the carbon monoxide levels that are in there. And that's the most deadly to us. In addition to other carcinogens that, you know, happen from burning couches and burning plastics and things like that. So we still wear our breathing bottle on our back and our masks. So we breathe fresh air and we monitor the atmosphere. Sometimes it takes an hour or a few hours and we make sure the air is nice and clear before we let anybody in there without a breathing apparatus on. Okay, one time my mom was cooking something. She put the oil and forgot to put the rest of the ingredients. We all panicked and my mom and dad were trying to put floor to turn off the fire. The floor that we used for cakes, can we do that? You guys were using baking flour to put the fire out? Is that what yeah. I'm understanding? Yes. Um, certainly that's a way to do it. Um, I think that the safest way next time that happens is have the adult uh, put on a special mitten that could absorb some of the heat and move the actual hot pan outside so the smoke doesn't accumulate in the house. On top of that, we would encourage you guys to make sure your smoke detectors are always working in, um, in or orderly fashion. And you can do that by changing the batteries every six months and changing out the actual smoke detector every 10 years. Mm -hmm. But in terms of recommendations on how to actually stop it from uh, accumulating smoke, flour would act as a suppressant for sure. Um, but I don't know if it's something we would do. 
Yeah, I mean, the biggest risk, smoke is definitely a problem, but if there is fire, you, you want to have a fire extinguisher handy. Um, somewhere in your house, you want everybody to know where it is and how to use it. So just like you were saying, a grease fire on the, the stove, if you could grab a fire extinguisher, you could get that under control. You don't want to pour water on a grease fire. Do you guys know what you're supposed to do, though, if your clothes were to catch on fire? Mm -hmm. what, would you guys, what would you guys do if your pants caught on fire? What I would do is stand up fall down, roll on the floor so the fire gets out. Perfect. We would stop, drop, and roll, right? Very good. I hope you guys learned all about firefighters in this episode. Thank you, Mr. Taylor and Mr. Jordan, for coming to our show and sharing great insights. You're we welcome, guys. Thanks for having us. Thank you for having us. We can't appreciate enough for all the effort and risk you take to protect us in the community. Please follow our channel if you have any questions. Send an email, email to discoveringdreampodcast at gmail.com. Remember, don't fire the fire. If you fire the fire, the fire will fire you. And see you in the next podcast.